0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of the Baseball is Cool podcast. I'm joined today by Tony Wolf, who you probably know from Fangraphs. I'm sure even if you uh, don't think you know Tony from Fangraphs, you do. You've read his stuff there. Um, If you're a baseball fan and for some reason not reading Fangraphs, which I assume all of you are, you should be reading Fangraphs. Uh, If you can go support Fangraphs with a membership, go do that. Um, It's the place I go to for most of my baseball coverage, all the stats that I – uh, talk about on the podcast or other videos on the channel. Fangraphs is generally where I get it from. Um, Tony also writes about the Cincinnati Reds on Red Reporter, which is an SB Nation blog. You can find him on Twitter at, at underscore Tony Wolf underscore. There's an E on the end of Wolf. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about the Cincinnati Reds and also just the NL Central in general heading into the 2020-21 season. Um, before we do that, Tony, I'm not going to ask how you're doing. I'd much rather pose a question to you about pizza. Um, or, first of all, do you like pizza? I love pizza. I have pizza for dinner tonight. It's
1: a very, oh. it's a very topical question that you started with.
0: Okay. Well, my question is if you, anytime you had pizza for the rest of your life, you could only have two toppings on it. What would they be? So I'm
1: usually my go-to would usually be either pepperoni and banana peppers or like sausage and banana peppers. Uh, I'm, I'm very into that. But, uh, the pizza that we got tonight, um, that we usually get from this place, uh, here in town is, uh, a chicken and bacon Gouda pizza, which that is, amazing. Is, a, is a lot, it's a, that's a lot more, uh, fancy than I usually Uh, go with pizza. I'm usually like the cheapest frozen pizza that I can get out of the box (laughs) is what I'm going for. But uh, but the uh the chicken and bacon on pizza is is really really great.
0: Yeah, you're you're real close to my wheelhouse with all that because I yeah (laughs) I think my answer would you know I we also generally do like whatever store brand frozen pizza because it's easy and it's five bucks if we're not like getting good pizza from a local place, which sounds like you did tonight. But if I, if I had to pick two toppings, I'd go chicken and banana peppers. Easy. Yeah,
1: Um, that's a good call. Banana peppers is always, always a great decision.
0: Yeah, I can, I can switch up the meat or even like another Mm -hmm. veggie with the banana peppers, but banana peppers, um, it's strange because I don't really eat them on much of anything else other than subs or pizza, but they're essential for me on both.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm the exact same way.
0: All right, we're, we're off to a great start here. We're off to a real oh, good yeah. start. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted to have you on to talk about the NL Central, particularly the Reds. Uh, they're the team we're going to talk about the most because, selfishly, they're the team that I like talking about the most in the NL Central. I think that started for me with uh, an appreciation for watching Luis Castillo pitch with, within the last two to three seasons. I He went from a guy who I just – Kind of new as a pitcher for the Reds to a guy now. I I want to watch the Reds every time he pitches. Um, so to start, I'd kind of like to tell you as a baseball fan who doesn't necessarily follow the Reds closely and definitely doesn't write about them, like where I am with the Reds, and then get your take on kind of how you see them entering the 21 2021 20, season. I'm having trouble getting that out. 2021 20, is a you can't go too quick with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, and one reason I was drawn to the Reds, I think, last season is because they were a team that looked like they were actually trying to win, right? Like, Mm -hmm. which which is is saying something in in baseball these days when that's not the case with lots of teams. A lot of teams are fine being an 85-win team and hoping they get the breaks and profiting more off a lower payroll. I, I think the Reds, you know, their trade for Bauer in the 2019 season was them starting to, like, kind of gear up for the 2020 season. And then 2020... I mean, it wasn't a dud, but it wasn't great. It was only 60 games. They snuck into the postseason and then had, I mean, their, what, two playoff games were definitely duds. Mm -hmm. Um, And now coming into this season, there's not much excitement around them. I think maybe, you know, they, while they didn't do things to generate buzz, I think the pieces that they still have there are interesting and are a decent team uh where, where are you at with the 2021 reds and and is my perception of them far off?
1: your perception is uh pretty accurate I I alternate on where I am with the Reds on a day-to-day basis sometimes hour to hour because uh, you, yeah they had they it took a really great run in the last two weeks of the regular season in 2020 for them to even get into the playoffs. Then they get shut out by the Braves, and I think it was 22 total offensive innings without a run uh, in the NL wildcard series, and that was it. They were done. Uh, And from that team, they have not added to it in any real meaningful way, and they have shed uh, two of the better relievers from that team. As well as the best offensive catcher and the most competent major league shortstop from that roster, so it's <laughs> that doesn't set you up particularly well uh, for 2021. At least it, it doesn't inspire optimism, certainly in in any kind of fan base. But you know, the more the more you look at this team, you're you do remember that the offense uh, coming into 2020 was supposed to be pretty good. Um, and a lot of the, fr- as far as that offense goes, a lot of the main pieces from that are still around. You know, um, you're going to have Joey Votto at first base, uh, Mike Moustakas, and Eugenio Suarez are going to be at second and third. And then your outfield is going to be some combination of Jesse Winker, Nicholas Castellanos, uh Shogo Akiyama and Nixon Zell that sounds like a that sounds like an offensive group that has a lot of potential right um you know Nixon Zell hasn't really hit uh up to where he was billed to as a prospect yet um, you we've just started to see Jesse Winker break out in the last uh in the last season. Um, Mike Moustakis battled some injuries and was never really quite a hundred percent. And he still managed to be above average. Joey Botto's gotten weirdly streaky over the last couple of years and a little bit harder to predict than he was for so many years before. But, uh, as, as far as that whole group looks, it's the same group that was supposed to help them get to the playoffs last year. but you know, with the help of a really stellar rotation and a really deep group of arms in the bullpen. So, um, yeah, on any given day, I can talk myself into the Reds being right there at the top of the NL Central division race, right next to the Cardinals, right next to the Cubs, right next to the Brewers. Other days, I can talk myself into them being the third worst team in the National League. <laughs> like, it is really – it's a, it's the way the, um, you know, certain players were disappointing last, last season combined with the – the off the offseason of shedding payroll has really put them in a, in a strange position where you're not really sure where they're, where they're going to go.
0: Yeah. And yeah, they seem to, like you said, the, the pieces that they lost and didn't really replace them. They kind of seemed after the off season before of, of, stepping out from that kind of approach that it seems like every team, the most teams are doing these days that I mentioned earlier of like, let's just try to win 80 to 85 games and get some breaks and get to 90 wins and sneak into the postseason. Mm-hmm. They went, they went back to that. Um, <laughs> you know, they kind of fell back into that kind of team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're saying, there's still a lot to like, I think the, uh, you know, the bats obviously that you mentioned. So there, and I, I think even without Bauer, like the rotation especially with the way the Reds sometimes tweak pitchers and, and develop pitchers. And I don't even mean just develop minor leaguers, but uh, help major league players play into strengths more. You know, I think the pitching staff could still be a major strength. And like I said, Luis Castillo, you know, as a baseball fan, like if people, people should watch him because, I mean, his changeup – I think it was third in the league last year in swing straight strike rate on any pitch. You know, I think it's, I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was the third best whiff rate in the majors. Um, I'm, I'm interested on him and both Molly, who I guess is coming in as probably what the number three starter, I guess behind mm-hmm. Castillo and Gray for, for both of them. I'm I'm kind of interested in, you know, that Castillo, Castillo has a track record, but he, he built upon that last year. I felt Felt like whereas Molly was more like, oh, we might actually have something here, kind of thing. But for both those guys, I wonder like, okay, there was sixty games versus one sixty two, and also, you know, you were playing in the NL Central and you were only playing the AL Central, right, um, on the other side. So if, if those guys, if, if Castillo and Molly are, are who they were last year for a full season, like that rotation with Sunny Gray in there too, that top three is going to be great. I guess. How, do you, how much hope do you put in Castillo and or Mali being those guys that they were last season over a full season with a regular schedule?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about both of them. I and mean, you, you figured Castillo, the, his first year in the majors, he showed so much potential, right? Uh, he had that high 90s fastball. He, he had it, that changeup. It, it wasn't fully formed yet. Um, he, I mean that changeup. I, I think he only really picked that up over his last year in the minors, or like somewhere okay. very recent, very uh, recently before his uh, major league debut. So um, that was still a little bit of a work in progress. He was still uh, his, his slider was was very fringy at the time, and uh, you you saw the potential there. And then over the next couple of years. He has uh, he continued to show to show those flashes while also you know still ironing things out. Um, There was a time when he really was, especially when he was in the minors, he threw a lot of strikes, uh, almost to a fault, where he was he was trying to just get it by guys in the zone, and uh, advanced hitters could could catch up to him. You know, he he was a little bit homer prone. Um, he wasn't able to get as many swings and misses and strikeouts as he could have if he'd ventured outside the zone. And then, you know, seemingly right on top of that, he started getting out of the zone way too much. And all of a sudden, his walk rate started to go up quite a bit. And he wasn't, uh, you know, now he was getting himself into trouble where, you know, he might not be getting hit quite as hard, but now he's at 75 pitches in the fourth inning of every start he makes, and he's struggling to, to, you know, get through games and get through a lineup, you know, towards the end of the second or third time. And last year it really looked like he finally put everything together. You know, he, he was able to get hitters to chase. He was able to – his sequencing just keeps getting better and better. You know, um, Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, has – really uh hammered at home with him and uh, as far as you know, using his changeup and using it aggressively. Uh, the Reds catchers will call for that pitch in any situation because um you know he might have a you know ninety eight nine nine hour fastball, but the changeup is the weapon. And even when guys expect it, they're not able to catch up to it. So or not not able to get a bat to it. So uh, that's been really important for him, um, Tyler. Tyler Mally. I'm I'm also pretty optimistic, and just because he's even even as a really young pitcher again, when he was first coming up, his um, just baseball IQ and his knowledge of pitching, um, you know, his his comfort on the mound was was really apparent, and um, he again. Had had to work through some obstacles when he was first in the majors because he 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 first came up and he had a slider and I think it was a changeup that were just terrible. I mean his his fastball was you know in the mid 90s, but he just could not fool anybody with his secondary stuff. Um, then he replaces that with a curveball uh, in 2019. And he starts throwing like a curveball and a cutter and changes and alters his change up a little bit. And he has a little bit more success. Uh, And then 2020 rolls around. Reds have a completely overhauled uh, pitching, uh, coaching staff, infrastructure, all that. And now he's not only got the slider back, but he's now throwing a little bit harder. He has a lot more spin than he mm-hmm. did a couple years ago. And so you can you can see all of these pieces sort of uh, starting to come together. And, um, you know, for a guy who already – I mean, he threw two – he threw a no-hitter in a perfect game when he was in the minors. Uh, he he already had really good stuff. He really knew how to pitch before he got to the majors. But I think his, his stuff has progressed enough now that he has – he's given himself more margin for error where he doesn't have to be so pinpoint with everything. He doesn't have to worry about aiming his pitches so uh, precisely. He can just go out and, and throw a little bit more and be a little bit more uh, loose with what he's with, what he's trying to do. And, um, you know, that's, that makes, that makes it really exciting when you see a guy like that uh, who can command his stuff the way he can, who is, has as much poise and mound presence as Tyler Malley does uh, when you see him improve this, improve his stuff the way he has.
0: Yeah. And yeah, their pitching staff and like their approach to pitching and their pitching development program at the major league level, even is really one of the reasons that I find them really interesting as a team. Mm-hmm. And, but I guess the, you know, out of the bullpen, what they lost Iglesias Bradley's not back. I mean, he wasn't with them the whole year, but you know, two big pieces they lost, um, what they brought in, what do little, right. And, mm-hmm. and the, I guess my question is about the bullpen. Like, is there enough there? Do they have, do they have guys there where they're going to like pull a Malley and they're going to be like, well, this dude has the raw skills and we're going to do these tweaks and all this. And we're actually going to have a really good bullpen. And, uh, people don't realize it, they, you know, am I missing something in thinking that the bullpen is not sufficient here? Uh, no, the bullpen, I, I think that's that's going to be really
1: uh, interesting to, to watch this season because, yeah, on paper right now, the bullpen doesn't look like it's going to be enough um, because of the fact that, yeah, you lose Rysel Iglesias, you, use, you lose Archie Bradley. Those are guys who've been closing games for the last few years. Um, now you, know, you could have had them in this bullpen and uh for not a ton of money really right and they let them go and there were this was a really really strong relief market um both at the top with guys like liam Hendricks and brad hand and trevor may but then you know the depth of seventh and eighth inning guys like really quality armed on the market this winter i mean it was just tremendous how, how much talent was out there And they mostly stayed away from it. Um, As far as guys with proven Major League stuff, you know, yeah, Sean Doolittle has, uh, you know, has been brought in. Uh, He's somebody that has lost some fastball velocity over the last uh, couple of seasons. Doesn't really seem to have the stuff, at least um, from what we saw last year, that he did when he was a really elite reliever. Um, Noe Ramirez was came came back in the Russell Iglesias trade. Mm-hmm. He's fine, but he's not Russell Iglesias and uh, shouldn't be expected to be. Um, and beyond that, you know, yeah, you've got you've got Amir Garrett, you've got Lucas Sims, and both of them are going to be. I think both of them are going to be really good. And after that, it is a really, really long list of guys who you can talk yourself into, but don't necessarily have a, a super long track record or, you know, at least have one or two red flags. Um, Canberra Drosian is another guy who came over from the angels who Mm -hmm. uh, has really good stuff, has very uh, unique, uh, has a very unique arsenal and uh, was Kind of, kind of fell to the Reds on a on a minor league deal because he uh, has had his velocity taper off a little bit in recent seasons, just like uh, Sean Doolittle. Um, they traded for Jeff Hoffman from the Rockies. They went out and traded for Signe uh, Perez from the from the Astros. Um, they have a few guys that they can call up from the minors, and they uh, have gone out and targeted all these guys on either trades or on minor league deals who are probably, you know, the way you look at it right now are probably on the fringes of the major league roster. You know, I, I wouldn't sit here and, you know, make any bets on any of those guys, any specific one of those guys getting a major league roster spot out out of uh, spring training, but any of them could. And it just, it's, it just depends on, um, what the coaching staff does with them, what they think that they see in in those arms that is going to lend itself to, uh, you know, a lot of success in the majors. I trust at this point uh, the Reds pitching staff, uh, coaching staff, as as much as I do, you know, nearly anybody else in the majors uh, in terms of their ability to, identify talent and get the most out of those arms. Um, But, you know, at the same time, it would have been, it would have been nice to see them uh, go out and sign somebody like Trevor May or sign uh, even an Alex Colomay, you know, somebody in that tier, um, you know, they're just because there were so many of those guys available. And those are the kinds of guys who you like to build up a little bit of quantity of a quantity of them, because once you get into the, you know, July, August and, and September part of your schedule, you're going to be really happy that you uh, stockpiled a bunch of those arms.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I also want to give them the benefit of that. Well, I don't, I don't want to speak for you to say you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. But in that, I kind of like think their pitching approach and, you know, the whole let's drive line this up type of mm-hmm. approach, yeah. you know, I, I want to give them benefit better for the doubt and say, well, you know, the bullpen is definitely somewhere where you can save money. And if they've identified, maybe they've identified guys. And and that's why they brought in guys like Hoffman and Ramirez. Cause they've identified things with them. Like, well, these dudes are going to be, you know, this much better with us once we work with them and blah, blah, blah. But you know, it, it was disappointing to see them not go out and add like, a not all that expensive armor, too, just to have more depth in that bullpen. But, yeah.
1: well, um, I mean, you look at a guy like uh, TJ Anton, uh, yeah. who uh, came up with him last year, was uh, throwing, you know, in the low 90s and, and the minors for most of his career. He's sort of a late blooming guy. He's in his mid 20s already. Made his debut last year and had shown up to camp after being, after working with the Reds' new pitching instructors a little bit. Showed up to Camp Thorne in the mid '90s and mm-hmm. uh, had electric stuff. All of a sudden, had a had a ton more spin on his pitches than he did uh, previously, and was outstanding last year. And now he might be a he might be a bullpen guy. He might be in the back of the rotation. It kind of depends on how uh, guys like Lorenzen and Wade Miley shake out, uh, trying to get by for rotation spots, but. Uh, he looks like a really talented arm that they're going to, uh, lean on in, in, uh, big situations for the next few years. And he's a guy who wasn't really on anybody's radar a couple years ago. So, you know, that's, that's an example of, of somebody who you, you know, didn't, didn't inspire a whole lot of confidence, uh, before last year and suddenly looks like a really crucial, uh, arm. So. I but yeah yes that's that's why you you give this team a little bit of benefit of the doubt and thinking you know yeah one one or two of the if one if even one or two of these you know six or seven pitchers that they've gone out and acquired this winter on minor league deals or on uh, or with trades for you know players to be named later or whatever you know any of these arms that they've acquired on on minor deals if one or two of those guys pans out, that's going to be a big success. And and I think this is the kind of uh, organization that's capable of of putting that together.
0: Yeah. And switching, switching to the, the, uh, the other side of the ball, so to speak uh, one area where I really have trouble giving them the benefit of the doubt is whatever the heck their plan is at shortstop. I mean, like, you know i'm i'm a i'm a baltimore orioles fan and the baltimore orioles did more to shore up their shortstop actually with with somebody the reds are familiar with with freddie galvis mm-hmm. i mean it's with the amount of shortstops that were on the market this offseason and the quality of shortstops and the varying degree you know pick a tier what tier do you want to go from here mm-hmm. and they did nothing and and i know they've got garcia coming up but you know, other than his stint up last year, what he's never been above high a ball. Right. And then what, I guess Kyle farmer is maybe part of the plan. Like, do you like, do you think like they just got boxed out of like all their different plans or do you think they really just ch- chose not to address their shortstop situation?
1: Yeah. The Orioles, uh, this will be the second straight year where they're starting shortstop. We'll have, <laughs> come directly from Cincinnati, which isn't – i that's not a plan I would recommend uh, to anybody, but it worked out great for Jose Iglesias. So yeah. uh, maybe Freddie Galvis is going to win the batting title this year. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it's weird because I think if you asked um, the Reds at the start of the calendar year 2020 if they planned on adding a proven Major League shortstop before the 2021 season started – they could have honestly told you yes, right? Because of not not only because of the free agent market that was coming up with uh Marcus Semien, Andleton Simmons, um, you know, David Gregorius for a second offseason in a row, uh guys like that were going to be available on the market. And then you were also going to have uh Francisco Lindor, who the Reds have been uh had been trying to at least in at least passively had been negotiating a deal with Cleveland for since back in like twenty eighteen, I think. Uh, Trevor Story was at least going to be mentioned in, on the trade market. Um, guys like Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Javier Baez, who were going to be less uh, easy to pull away from their teams, were at le- they were going to be entering their last year of team control, were probably going to at least be mentioned uh, when you pick up the phone and call one of those teams. So um, the Reds, there were so many possible avenues for the reds to go to upgrade their situation at shortstop before the season and i think going into 2020 they very much planned to and then the pandemic hit and uh you couldn't get a single fan into cincinnati uh for the 2020 season um they i there's no telling how much money that they lost they obviously aren't going to say um you know or how much money they simply you know, failed to make however you want to put that. But
0: (laughs) um,
1: all of a sudden, you know, the financial situation at the end of 2020 was in a place that nobody could have predicted uh, 12 months prior. And so um, they still said at the start of this winter that they planned on upgrading at shortstop. I sitting here now, I have my doubts that 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 was ever uh, really part of the plan. Because if you look at guy at what guys like Marcus Simeon and Antleton Simmons got in terms of their contracts, and even David Gregorius, um, they all. I think I I believe Simeon and uh, Simmons both got one year deals. I might be mistaken on that, but I know that I I know the like annual value what they're making in twenty twenty one. All three of those guys did not sign for that much money. Like all of those contracts would have been affordable for maybe a little bit more than what you paid Trevor Bauer for his last year of arbitration in 2020. And you're not paying Bauer anymore. So, I mean, they, they definitely would have had it in the budget otherwise to, to, to add those guys. I have a hard time imagining that, Their situation is so dire that they literally couldn't afford to do that this winter. But uh, the fact is that they didn't, you know, instead they went out and um, they got Kyle Holder from the Yankees who has, I don't think he's played above double A ball. um, And he is a good defender at shortstop, but doesn't have much value uh, in his bat. D strange Gordon is here now on a minor league deal and he hasn't, he's said that he's going to be, a shortstop this year, even though he hasn't played shortstop in like five or six years in the big leagues. Um, Kyle Farmer was their starting shortstop in game one of the uh, wildcard series last year and started a shortstop several other times. Um, And he can, he can handle that position, but by no means should he be in line to start there. Um, on any team that considers itself a contender, right. uh, yeah, it's really frustrating that they that they could not be bothered to add anything beyond what they got at shortstop, and and that's going to be a that's going to be a really significant hole this season. Um, you know, especially given how how much they really need to. They, they really needed to shore up the offense more this winter uh be you know based on you know not just two games at the playoffs last year although of course based <laughs> on that uh, but also you know the way that they hit overall you know they they were their peripherals their expected stats were better than ex- were be- were better than their actual production allowed for but they still weren't great they still weren't up to expectations Um, and so they you know this is a team that doesn't have a star player you know they don't have a Nolan Arenado uh, or a uh, you know somebody like that that plays on another NL NL Central team that uh, you can count on being a five or six or seven war player uh, for this season They, they rely on they're going to rely on their depth to stockpile to uh, accumulate value that way instead of it just being one guy. So you need, when you're, when you've got that kind of plan, you need as many uh, as many hands on deck as you can get. And going into a season saying, we're going to alternate between a backup catcher and, uh, <laughs> and a double A shortstop as like our main plans at that position that's that's just not going to do it
0: yeah and you know your point about they're not really being like a true superstar on this team i mean you know if you if you go look at like projections on fangrass look at you know look at zips and the other than shortstop there's not really a black hole on the team like everywhere you know they're pretty much projected like in most positions in the team somewhere, right. To have like the 15th, you know, I think Suarez mm-hmm. in the third base situations projected to be the 13th best um, third base in, in terms of uh, projected war, I think from zips. Mm-hmm. And they have a bunch of guys like that, like Moustakis and Castellanos and all these guys who are solid players, but not stars. I, the one guy who's really interesting to me is Jesse Winker, who I assume will get, i guess i shouldn't assume because of his, they've kind of his platoon splits at times in his career we'll, we'll play left field a lot right mm-hmm. um last year he remained healthy uh i think part of that was he he played a good bit of dh correct me if i'm wrong i think he mm-hmm. did yes. right
1: yeah so
0: he's, he was finally healthy but i mean man like his statcast cast page man it's like it's all red ink like oh, yeah. the, the dude rips the ball now unfortunately there's no this year. So both him and Castellanos will be in the corner outfields trying to, trying to not drive down their value too far out there with the glove. But, um, I guess, do you, do you force, if, if there's somebody on this team who I guess could kind of elevate their game to a next level on offense, it, it would you, th- would you agree? I guess if I said, I, you know, I think that guy's Winker who, who could become kind of not a superstar, but a, a star level player.
1: Yeah, I think uh as far as I, I, I think if if you're looking for a, a breakout uh hitter for twenty twenty one, um, it would probably be Senzel just because of his pedigree and um, sure. the, the the potential and, and what he's shown in the past. But as far as uh guys who have actually shown evidence for that in at the major level, um that, that would be Winker. Yeah. I mean Winker um it, it was definitely under the radar last year because of it because it was a shortened season. He didn't really have a chance to, um, you know, accumulate a, a, a lot, you know, a big number of home runs or, um, you know, war, uh, walks, some of those counting stats, but that it was, he, he was a, he was a really, uh, well-regarded, uh, offensive prospect for this organization for years before he debuted. And last year was the best he's ever looked. Um, you know if there was ever a knock against him it was it was going to be that you know you you questioned how much power was in uh his bat because you know he had wrist injuries in the minors that really limited uh his his slugging percentages uh over the years he always looked like he was going to have sort of a you know Joey Votto-ish eye at the play that's just the easiest hop to make given his given the team he played for but uh, you know, it always looked like he was going to hit for average. It looked like he was going to walk, you know, 12% of the time. He wasn't going to strike out a bunch. He, you just wondered if he was ever going to hit for power. And then last year, he hit for a ton of freaking power. Yeah, I mean, he he was in something like the 90th percentile in exit velocity. He hit a lot of balls in the air. I mean, he looked like a slugger who could still take walks and still you know, rack up a high batting average. So he was really, really damn impressive. So, um, yeah, I uh, I would be really, uh, I, I am really looking forward to seeing him hit for a full season. Again, you know, health permitting. He has dealt with injuries. Um, his, as you said, his platoon splits, uh, against lefties has have been really poor in the past, but I think last year he hit some for something like a a one thirty uh, WRC plus against yeah. lefties, something like that. So um, if if those platoon splits are really behind him and he is able to at least not be a complete black hole in left field, <laughs> um, you know that would be he's he's he could be a really valuable player and somebody that they that they've uh still got a chance to to have around for a few more years yet
0: yeah he's a he's an interest, interesting player he's he's somebody who personally in any in the main dynasty league i play in fantasy baseball like two to three years ago i was trying to trade for him because i was like man, if this guy <laughs> yeah. stays healthy and figures out against lefties there's value there i mm-hmm. think that ship might have sailed after uh after his 2020 season. But uh, mm-hmm. so the, the odds makers, I believe put the over under on the reds at 81.5. What do you, what are you taking on them? Ugh, see, over this over is, or under? Yeah.
1: It's, it's going to be, <laughs> man, I, I think I sitting here now, I think it'll be under. Um, okay. Because of, yeah, be, because I, I, you're, you're, if you're taking the over on them, uh, you can certainly talk yourself into that, mm-hmm. but I think I think you are you're asking a lot from the back of the rotation, which is pretty uncertain right now. You know, uh, Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo at the top have been have both been you know in the Cy Young conversation uh, over the last two seasons now for uh, a lot of for a lot of the time. Um, I have a lot of faith in Tyler Alley. TJ Antone, Michael Lorenzen, and Wade Miley going to be super effective in the back of the rotation? I don't know. Are they actually going to get a bunch of pop-up breakouts in the bullpen? I don't know. You know, are is I I think that the projections uh, on guys like I think Nicholas Castellanos um, and Vado and Mustakis, I think they're all projected for less than a win and a half uh, yeah. on on Fangraphs. I think those are probably a little light, but maybe not. You know, maybe maybe Castellanos is a league average hitter who uh, is the worst defensive right fielder in baseball again. And um, you know, guys like Vado and Mustakis who are in their mid to late 30s now continue to regress. Sunzel doesn't break out, and you know, this could get it could get a little ugly um, offensively. So um, it it could go, it could really go either way. If 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 I think if, if we were sitting here at at the start of October and uh, the Reds are coming off an 89 win season, I would be, I would not be surprised by that. If they're coming off a 69 win season, I also wouldn't be surprised by that. You know, it's going to, it's going to depend on a lot of uh, really really fickle, uh, players, uh, breaking, breaking in, and, you know, certain directions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I kind of feel similarly about them and it, it just for a team, you know, that didn't do much to the bullpen and didn't do anything at shortstop, et cetera. It's, it's hard to believe that everything's going to go right for them, but it's easy to see how everything good could go right for them with guys like Castillo and, and Malley and, You know, and and Winker and Sonzell and all that. Like, if if things break right with those guys, like, oh yeah, shoot, like this is a great team. But also, you might not have a bullpen, and you probably don't have a shortstop, so Mm -hmm. you could, you might also, like you said, you know, be well below five hundred. Um, which I think is kind of like how I feel about most of the NL Central. Maybe not to the degree of the Reds, but there's not like a powerhouse team here. Just to move around the Central real quick, you know, the the Brewers, I think like the icing on the cake of me, I guess thinking in them, of the favorite was bringing in Jackie Bradley Jr., adding like a fourth legitimate piece to that outfield. Um, you know, they now have more depth, more flexibility uh, when Yelich, Kane, et cetera, go down with injuries or just days off and Bradley can play all over the outfield. And then they added Colton Wong at second base, which is a huge upgrade defensively over basically anybody in the league. <laughs> yeah. Um, where are you at on the, on the brewers coming into the season?
1: Yeah, the brewers, I think are in a similar position to Cincinnati, uh, where they have the, the guys at the top of their rotation are really good. Um, yeah. Brandon Woodruff, uh, and Corbin Burns, I think could be really, you know, really strong pitchers, uh, over, over the course of the full season in 2021. um, they have the potential to have really good rotation top to bottom, but the guys at the back end, uh, like Josh Lindblom, Eric Lauer, guys like that are are a little bit, you know, you're a little bit fuzzier on. Uh, The bullpen is obviously has two absolute uh, (laughs) monsters at the back end, Um, but the, a lot of the rest of the arms there, you're kind of wondering if you, you, you're more relying on the Brewers own really solid pitching infrastructure to work some magic there. Um, And I, I'm, I wouldn't call the Brewers favorites just because I, I don't know how much they're going to hit. Um, Sure. You know, outside of you know, Colton Wong and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. are both really, really excellent defenders. Um, you know, are you know, each one has an argument maybe for tops of their own position. Um, but you don't really know what you're gonna get out of their bets. Um other they've got other starters, um, like Travis Shaw, uh, right. who you know, you don't really know what you're gonna get. Um Ryan Braun has said that he doesn't even really plan on playing in twenty twenty one. Um so yeah I I'm I have my concerns about the Brewers offense, I think even more so than I, than I do with Cincinnati's. Um, But yeah, they're, they're another team where they're, you can, you can see their pitching staff uh, taking them a long way, especially, I mean, if you, any team in baseball would give a lot to have either Devin Williams or Josh Hader in the back of their bullpen. And Milwaukee has them both, which is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument. They have to, you know, the, if you'd go by any bullpen's top two guys, like that's that's probably the the best bullpen in baseball just based on oh, yeah. their two back arm. Um moving moving on to the Cardinals, man. They're their team. I have trouble getting excited about the Cardinals. I know they brought in Nolan Arenado, and that should be exciting. Um, and I I mean Jack Flaherty's great. Goldschmidt's probably still got something left in the tank. Uh they've got some young bats in the outfield, like O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Harrison Bader's been, I don't know if he's still considered a young guy. He's been around up and down a little bit at this point. Um, I think they're kind of in a similar spot for, you know, for different reasons than the Brewers of and Reds of like, could go either way with this team. And I think probably a good bit of it depends on, you know, was that Goldschmidt bounce back real? Is Arenado healthy and who is he healthy outside of Coors? And plus like, what do they have, I guess, in their young corner outfield bats do you see any reason to believe in the cardinals any more than anybody else in the division
1: not uh you know head and shoulders above anybody else uh no i i'm not really in on bader or o'neill uh contributing significantly in the outfield i like dylan carlson a lot and right but i think i think their outfields going to really struggle at the bottom of the order um but they you know. They are sort of in in the opposite position of the Reds, where they've they've got two guys in their lineup who could be superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, Nolan Arenado is always on the verge of a you know six or seven win you know really MVP level season. Paul Goldschmidt was phenomenal last year. Yeah. I mean he uh, he after he struggled a little bit at the start of the twenty nineteen season. Um, he, I think he ended up being worth like 2.2 more or something like that. He almost got there again, got that exact same value again in like <laughs> only a third of the games in, right. in 2020 because he, he was just impossible to get out. So they've got two guys like that who can, um, really, really carry the offense. And that's a big deal when you, you know, especially in a, in a division like this, that's going to be really close. Um, it's it's a big deal if you got if you have a couple of those guys uh who are able to carry the load and, and uh jack Flaherty in the rotations the exact same way you know you can you know if you've got uh two guys like that in the lineup and then that ace you know through and through pitching every fifth day um you know they've got they've got other good arms uh in the pen uh they've they've got uh, enough of a rotation, I think, to to get by Adam Wainwright is apparently just never going to age beyond like age thirty-three. He's gonna be right. thirty-three years old and for the next fifty years. Um so they've I think they've they've got enough on the pitching side and with their now two superstar players, uh, who they've both of whom they've acquired for uh not you know, comparatively not that much uh in, in the yeah. trade market in the last couple of years. Um <laughs> I think they've got enough to to uh sort of uh compensate for what they lack uh in their outfield.
0: Yeah, yeah they have exploited the trade market the last couple off seasons, getting uh, you know, Goldschmidt Narenado for less than you would think that should get those players for um yeah i mean
1: carson kelly's carson kelly's a really good catcher yeah uh, for the diamondbacks he's going to be good for a long time but uh and you know luke weaver could could still have a uh you know perfectly fine few years for them but i mean the nolan arenado trade was a complete joke and yeah uh, yeah that
0: one was completely bonkers uh but i think i think in both trades. They got the best player in the trade, which is oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So but yeah, the one with the diamondbacks definitely at least at least you could see it from the diamond diamondback perspective. Oh, yeah. um, so the, the Cubs and and you wrote, I think it was back in January had an article on how if the Cubs are gonna keep one of their core pieces around beyond this season, you know, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, uh, it should be Rizzo. Um, but so and and this is maybe like a last hurrah season for this Cubs core that kind of was like, I guess, you know, the Theo Epstein team that like that they, they rebuilt for and then developed and they won a world series. I I was surprised by projections believing in their offense more than I thought, uh, more than I expected the projections to say, do, do you think outs, outside of the NL central central kind of being a toss up? Do you think the, you know, this Cubs core has like, what it takes for one more run? Uh, no, I, I,
1: no, I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the rotation is really, you know, it's bare bones right yeah. now beyond, beyond Hendricks. Uh, you know, I, if that, that's, that's a team where if, if a couple of guys in the rotation end up getting, you know, any kind of significant injuries, it, it, it's going to, be really hard for them to, uh, you know, pitch their way through the season. Um, you know, they do have guys like you know, even beyond Bryant and Rizzo and and Baez, who are, you know, have been studs for for years, or at least you know, for parts of the last few years. Uh, Ian Happ had a really good year yeah. last year. Um, you know, David Bode still still has a a, a good bit of potential. Um, they've uh, Wilson Contreras is still in Chicago, surprisingly. Uh, I really thought they were going to end up dealing him this, this winter, and uh, they held on to him. They held on to a lot of their guys, uh, aside from, from from Kyle Torver. So, um, you know, when you read what their front office has said um, and, you know, listen to their beat writers talk about them, they are not committing to a, you know, full rebuild yet. They don't seem to have any plans to in the near future, even though, Baez, Rizzo, and and Bryant uh, are all the the ends the ends of their contracts are all coming up uh, next winter. Uh, I think Kyle Hendricks has two years left. Mm-hmm. Contreras has two years left. They're reaching the end end of the line uh, with with a lot of these major uh, contributors, or at least a, a major decision point uh, with all of them. So, uh, I, I I think that. I I wouldn't be surprised if if they hit the crap out of the ball because uh, if you get three or four of those, of those bats to to break in the right direction, um, which they didn't do last year. um, If you, yeah, if you get a few few of those guys hitting, then you're going to have a really successful season at the plate. But I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine them getting enough out of their pitching staff to you know, outlast, especially in a, in a really tight division, which, which should be a really tight division race. Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine their pitching staff outlasting, uh, you know, St. Louis and Milwaukee uh, through September.
0: Sure. Sure. And then I don't want to pick on the Pittsburgh Pirates because... Let's pick on or- the Pittsburgh Pirates. As, Let's do that. As an Orioles fan, <laughs> I know what it's like to have your team picked on, you know, for other than about a six-year... Period, five to six year window you know for 22 23 years now you know i know what it yeah. feels like but is there any reason to watch the pirates this season other than maybe cabrian hayes like is there any other reason to watch them
1: uh no no you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to um yeah i mean they they uh they got rid of uh anybody that anybody else that was going to be uh, interesting to watch. They ha- they have other prospects um, that uh, could be could be reaching the show in the next couple of years. Uh, if mm-hmm. you if you've got if you have the uh, capacity or uh, however you do it to watch a one of the Pirates minor league teams, I might recommend that because guys like uh, Travis Swaggerty and uh, O'Neill Cruz and uh, guys like that are going to be really fun if you can catch a a double A game or something like that. But um, no i mean the the pirates of the at the big league level they um i I, i'm interested to see how um this new regime continues to move forward as far as their own pitching plans because they since they were so uh innovative um you know 10 years ago and really you know seemed to do a great job at getting the most out of their pitchers. And then all of a sudden, five years ago, we're like completely behind the rest of baseball yeah. all of a sudden. So um, they, I think it's, there's a lot of new, there's been a lot of turnover in the last couple of seasons there. And um, they are slowly beginning to, to catch up with uh, the, information that a lot of other teams have had for for several years in terms of what kind of pitch sequence works where where to attack guys um in in the zone and uh, i i'm interested to see um if what their what their pitching approach looks like in 2021 and uh if they get any more breakouts um this this season what what those look like and 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 how they are how they're getting the most out of those guys but the pirates are going to be they're going to be a 58 win disaster and it's it's going to be it's going to be a bummer
0: yeah the nl central is basically four teams who are kind of like around 500 we'll see how it breaks kind of thing and then the pirates pretty pretty much and 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 they're nowhere near you know we know how it's gonna break for the pirates. It's just a matter of how bad it's gonna be. Yeah. Um it's four perfect.
1: teams four teams like four guys like treading water and then one guy just like found a ten pound rock and just let himself sink in <laughs> the bottom of the ocean. That's how that's 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 where the division is right now.
0: That's 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 a great summary. I don't I don't think I could do better than that. Oh <laughs> uh, cool man. Well, Tony, thanks for coming on, man. This is a lot of fun. Um appreciate it. and as I said at the beginning Go go check out Tony's stuff on Fangraphs. Support Fangraphs. Go check out his stuff on Red Reporter on Twitter at, at Tony or at underscore Tony Wolf underscore right. I'd love um, to get I'd
1: love to get the original at Tony Wolf uh, off of off of Twitter because I don't think I don't think he's using it at all. But uh.
0: yeah, that that that's an off thing with names or like sometimes there are certain log. <laughs> very specific blog names and they don't have their exact blog name because you know somebody who signed up for a twitter account in 2010 and tweeted once still has it (laughs) yeah Uh, so yeah maybe we'll maybe we'll petition this tony wolf to give you your name i'd love that Uh, all right well that wraps it up uh the 2021 nl central preview thanks for listening